We are back. Another midweek Bible study. Uh, we are in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Last week was a, a long setup for this book to a very small town. So I hope you, you listen to that one to get the framework for what's about to be addressed as we get into, well, through chapter 1 and into, into chapter 2. Now, I rejoice in what, was, what I suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Different way of phrasing it. He's just saying, I rejoice that I'm, I'm allowed to suffer for Christ and I still have a ways to go before I suffer as much as he suffered. So he's admitting his suffering. He's also saying humbly that he's, you know, he hasn't seen anything yet compared to what Jesus went through. And then he goes this way, I have become its servant, the church's servant, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Remember the word of God according to John chapter one and according to the way it's generally used in scripture is referring to Jesus. So God gave me to present to you Jesus in fullness. If you remember verse 15 and forward, he was doing that as Robertson put it, he was giving them a full-length portrait of Jesus the Christ. God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Bringing this up, now he's writing to Gentiles. Now why would he bring up that he had been commissioned to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, very simply, remember from last week that somehow in Colossae, some heresy was being taught. The exact parameters of the, of the heresy, we don't know. But it seems to be an interweaving of Christianity, uh, Judaism, and uh, paganism. And this interweaving looks a lot like Gnosticism will later look, but not full-blown as in that's still trying to figure out what it is. And so he's reminding them that he's the guy that knows why the Gentiles are in, and Jews are still in, but why the Gentiles are in with them, now, now that we're all the chosen people of God. Uh, so he's kind of an expert on this Jewish thing and Gentile thing. And so they should be paying attention to him. He says, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Perfect doesn't mean without any flaws. It means that you are completely in. You're all the way in. You're mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Uh, now, I love that phrasing, struggling with all his energy. Uh, a couple months ago, when you uh, watch this, it's going to be uh, the end of March when it was recorded, it was still back in February. And I had just come off of a few weeks before then, early February, a, a time of having COVID and turned out to be a longer, harder road than we thought it was going to be. Uh, it, it went from mild cold to bad cold and then just stayed there for a while. And then right after, as soon as I was cleared, heading to Chicago, uh, to the Chicago area, Aurora, Naperville, that area, and teaching cops for um, six days, but I had to be up there for nine days. And it was, uh, it was brutally difficult. 
I'm still at this stage, the end of February, this is the last day of February when I'm recording to this, still no energy, headaches, that sort of issues. And yet, when the light goes on and I start to talk about these things, there's an energy there that goes away as soon as the light is off. And when I step up on the sound stage on Sunday, as I did yesterday, to uh, play some songs and then to speak about Christ, energy shows up. And then uh, if you've ever been to our safe harbor, you know that we always invite you to lunch. And we, we go out yesterday, we probably had 30 at a local restaurant um, who, who took us on a, you know, they said, yeah, we'll go. So we, we generally have between 12 and 35-ish. So it's a big group. Uh, and I'm sitting there and they put out the menus and I'm thinking inside, I'm too tired to chew. I know that when I step up and when I do these things, this is not through me. God's giving me the energy to do this. And I thank God for that because this old body doesn't have it. And I'm grateful. I imagine you know exactly what I'm talking about. I imagine he's done that for you in many different ways. I'm not special. God gives us the energy in the mind. And that's what I always pray for, by the way. And when people ask me, Patrick, how can we pray for you? It's dead boring, because I always say, pray that I have wisdom, that I have health, and I have strength for the journey. Paul, I think, would be right in there with me. He goes, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you. And for those at Laodicea, that was about 10 miles away from Colossae. And for all who've not met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. What in the world? This is what we get. This is what we get when we read somebody else's mail and we only read the outgoing and we don't get any incoming. So what's going on? Well, as described last week in, in the introduction, this interweaving had started to where they were bringing into Christianity the requirement to also be Jews at some level. And a lot of Christians are still trying to do this. Just makes me shake my head and wonder why Paul ever wrote anything, um, if that's the way they're gonna treat that. He, um, he doesn't ever say, don't celebrate Jewish days and don't do this. He always says, however, it's not required. It's not required and don't require it of others. And the leaders of the church said the same in Acts 15, if you'd like to go have a look. What's going on here? Again, he says, I wish I was there. I wish I could be at all the churches that I've never been able to visit. I know that feeling. Uh, I don't watch a whole lot of television, especially broadcast television. I watch some news, I watch some sports. I watch a ton of things on YouTube because I travel vicariously. Uh, I, I, don't, uh, I would love to go see Thailand, love to go see Japan. I've never been to Southeast Asia and never had the, the money to do that. And I don't have the money now, I've got the time, but I don't have the money. But I would just love to go visit as a tourist. I would love to go to Cambodia, see Angkor Wat and all that sort of thing. But since I can't, I travel vicariously. I go to YouTube videos and I watch. Uh, 
And I do that with a lot of those, and I really I enjoy them. Paul says, I can't get there. So I gotta write. I gotta pray and write and pray and write. And he did the best he could. He wrote a lot, and we still have a lot of stuff he wrote. So here it is. He says, I, I want you to have complete understanding of Christ. When you have that, you don't need additions. You, you can celebrate, if you wish, these other days, but you don't bring them as, in as an addition to your doctrine and faith. You never use it as a way to divide from others. So if your ceremony benefits you, but keeps others from Christ, drop the ceremony. We'll talk more about that in another time. And here, again, all the hidden treasures, Gnostics were all about that, and all occult, um, in fact, the word occult means hidden. All occultism, all reach out into witchcraft or demonology, mediumship, seances, any of that stuff, you know, tarot cards, all of that is designed about hidden knowledge. And you get Christians do this as well, not just Christian Gnostics, but they'll do things like the, you know, the Genesis code, the Bible code, the secret prophecy that tells that this is now the end of the world. No, Christ, that's it. In him are all things in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You wanna go look for stuff? Look at Jesus and he will reveal to you all that you need to know. And he says, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by arguing otherwise, even if they sound smart. And then verse six, chapter two, didn't even know we crossed a chapter there. That's because chapters aren't always placed in the right places. Uh, in fact, I don't think there are right places for chapters. It'd be my, you, it'll, it'll change your life to read the Bible without chapter and verse divisions. Oh my goodness, changes everything for the good. Give it a go. All right, that said, I'm gonna name a chapter and verse di uh, division. Chapter two, verse six. So then, just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted, built up with him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Can you just, can you just write down Colossians 2, verses five, and, I'm sorry, six and seven. Could you just do that? That's the prescription that Paul gives to deal with daily life to deal with false doctrines, to deal with struggles, to deal with imprisonment, to deal with whatever. That's all he wants. He doesn't want you to have more, 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 more. He says, just stay in your faith in Christ and let that be the wellspring of your day. Let that just root you and, and give you strength. He isn't saying, all right, you believe in Jesus, yay. Now here are these 26 other things you must believe in to be acceptable. And here's the way you have to worship. And if you don't set up your church exactly like this, and if you use the wrong word, oh my goodness. And I've seen people who praying over communion, and those of you who have a, a strict liturgy, you know that in low churches, they call them, and, and that's not an insult. It means just a, a way to differentiate between high and low churches. High churches have a fixed liturgy, somewhat fixed liturgy. Low churches are more casual. So you have somebody leading at communion. And if they said that Jesus spilled his blood, somebody, I've seen a meeting called, and them just said, no, Jesus spilled means accidental. And Jesus never did anything by accident. 
He shed his blood. Shed is a word, because that's an intentional. Would you stop it and go read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7? You're not going to be saved by pristine language and precise wordage. You're saved by Jesus living in you. And there's more Jesus living in a person who says stuff about Jesus and gets it wrong than in the line of Pharisees trying to correct him after. And there you go. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And people, this attacks both the left and the right. I was in the right, and there is a legalism and a harsh legalism in the right which I, from which I escaped. But sadly, on the left, there is also a harsh legalism and an insistence upon conformity. And you're not a real Christian if you're not with us. You don't have to buy into left or right. Now, true, both sides will shoot at you, but you know something? God's got you. You're all right. You can delete hateful emails. If you don't know how, maybe I should do a video course on how to find the delete button and then go on and do your day. You don't have to live in cancel culture of the left or right. You don't have to live, uh, live in, in anything but Jesus. He's saying, watch out for this philosophy. And you see, um, when Russia invaded Ukraine, our politicians, as always, be clown themselves, left and right. But sadly, you saw Christians take up sides take and start using it as an opportunity to shoot arrows at other Christians. No, don't be caught by this. Just live as Jesus. Do what you can with what you've got, where you are, with whomever God has put in front of you. That's your job. Get busy. That's all you need, right? For in Christ, once again, he has said this already three times. And we're, we're only a little bit into chapter 2. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So that's a twofer. He attacks anybody who says that Jesus was not deity. Uh, and again, the Gnostics would do this. Arianism. It doesn't really do that, but some forms of it skate near there. And, and again, not an attack on my Arian friends. If you don't want Arian, Arian it's named after Arius, an early bishop who believed that Christ uh, was full deity, but he was created by the Father. He was not always coexistent, co-eternal with the Father. Trinitarians believe he was always coexistent, co-eternal. I'm Trinitarian on this. I've never made any bones about where I stand on that. He goes, you've been given you know, all the fullness of the deity, so you don't need to go out and find other gods to, to fill in the cracks. And he was God in bodily form. Moving on. And you've been given fullness in Christ. You got all you need there. You know, churches for the last 2,000 years have been based on Christ and. Christ and the way we worship. Christ and our earthly leaders, uh, our ecclesiastical leaders. Christ and this version of the Bible, I kid you not. Christ and uh, our view of the millennial reign. Christ and what gifts are available. Just Christ. Just Christ. There's not an and. Paul is just pushing this because in Colossae they were already doing the Christ and. So he's ahead over every power and authority. So Let's say that there's another God out there. 
we're going to call this God Bob. And we feel that this God could help us in some endeavor. Maybe our flowers will be prettier, our cattle will give birth safer, um, perhaps the weather will be better. Whatever attributes and powers we ascribe to this God, Bob. So we pray to Jesus, we go worship as much as best we can if there are other believers around. Uh, remember, they didn't have central buildings then, and they did just fine. And so we'd gather when we can, and we just talk about Jesus. But, you know, the flower bed's not looking good. The cattle hadn't dropped a calf, and it may rain Saturday. So we're, we're just going to, what's the harm? We're just going to put this little altar up over here to Bob, burn a little bit of incense, you know, cover all bases. Makes sense. It's just human sense. Completely wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. Paul says, stop, stop worshiping Bob. I, I don't know what their God's names were. So, and if your name's Bob, I'm sure you're a lovely person, but I'm also sure you also agree we're not supposed to worship you. Um, and I will get some emails about this, uh, little jokes and such, because people like humor uh, and I do too. So fair enough. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of a sinful nature. Ah, so we see another, all right. So part of this was bringing in Jewish rules. Now, so we've talked about this before because Paul's talked about this before. In Philippians, he gets really into that. Um, and he's not done. He, he's, he's going to go at it again. Yeah. Uh, circumcision has benefits, especially in, um, in places where hot water and soap are not available. Uh, and other, there are some other cases. But we're not required to be circumcised anymore. Uh, we don't have to have the foreskin taken off. And sorry if your kids are in the car now and they're gonna ask, I, I didn't write the Bible, there you go. However, uh, there's nothing wrong in being circumcised. You're, you're free to do either. Well, um, the problem is when you try to take the old law that included circumcision and bring it into the new one, I keep thinking of how hard it is to convince people to be baptized by immersion. I just can't even imagine how hard it would be after you've baptized them. They're coming up and they're drying off and putting on their clothes and they say, Patrick, you know, I don't know why I put this off so long. It's so good to finally have obeyed God and finally be a Christian. And I'm over there and going, well, um, Steve, it's funny you should bring that up. There, there is one more thing. Oh my goodness. Why would you bring that back? as a requirement. Paul's saying, you've already been circumcised in that you put off your sinful nature. In other words, it was a symbol. It was a sign to the people. Now that Christ is here, we don't need that now. So why are you bringing that back in? Again, as a religious requirement, you can choose to be circumcised. And that's, that's a fine thing. It's not... I don't go with the anti-circumcision people that claim that it you know, kills pleasure and causes all this other issue. And I don't go with the you have to be circumcised people. I go with the, you can decide, make up your mind, it's fine, it's fine, all right? But we've, this old law was about the putting off the sinful nature, Jesus Christ is here, all in all, all we'll ever need. And he goes, not a circumcision done with the hands of men, but the circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. 
He's going to go on a bit. So let's just keep reading. When you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, in other words, all the bad stuff was still on you, God made you alive with Christ. Uh, some scriptures say, uh, some old versions say God made us. So Paul is joining them in this. Alive with Christ, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and it stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I don't know how this could be much plainer, but I have seen people explain it away all my life. What's going on here? He's saying there was a time where there was a code that was written that was against us. Does this mean that the Old Testament was, was bad? Absolutely not. No. It brought us to Christ and it brought Christ to us. It, it preserved the family, the history, and the religion into which Christ had to be born. All of that's good stuff. All people who are honest, and, I, and I'm not using that as a, like people do on TV, like all honest people agree with me. I believe that every human being that you were to ask, if you were to say, have you kept the law of Moses or the law of Jesus or both, whatever law, have you kept any law perfectly, would have to say no. I mean, my hand's right up. No, not a, not a bet. The old law had a plan of redemption in the sacrifices. The book of Hebrews say that there was only a temporary measure though. You'd have to come back and sacrifice again. So Christ came and sacrificed once for all. If I could only have three books of the Bible on a desert island, it would be the book of Psalms, covers every mood you got, the, the book of John, because I just love his portrayal of Christ and the deeper light and darkness uh, battle in the, in the world, and Hebrews, because of the way it exalts Christ and gives hope and shows us what glory is. You can pick your own three. You might even want to share them. Patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com might be a fun thing to do. Well, Paul here is saying he forgave us. He canceled the old call, uh, code when he went to the cross because now a new era is here. This I don't want to confuse this with dispensationalism, which acts like, okay, now you know who cares about the Old Testament? Throw the Jews away. No, this is an addition of people and a removal of any code that would keep these people from coming in. Remember Acts 15, James saying, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we not make this harder than it need to be. And that's the attitude Paul has. And he's warning Colossians here, you're, you're adding things in and every time you add something in, you make it harder than it needs to be. Think about that. Uh, I could use examples, but maybe we'll do that later. He has also disarmed the powers and authorities. Uh, you know, the God over here, Bob, he's disarmed. He's gone. You have no need. He has zero power, zero influence, zero ability to affect your life. Follow Jesus. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So he's going to do several of these. Don't let anyone judge you. If I want to um, celebrate Christmas, and I do, I'm not going to let anybody judge me. And there are Christians that do. 
They'll say, it's a pagan festival. Well, it used to be. It's ours now. Uh, same with Easter. We just passed Easter when you're watching this. Well, there are people that'll say, that, that, uh, Easter means star, Astar, and it, it, was a, it was this pagan that used to be, not now. It's ours. I'm not gonna let you judge me on that. And if you don't wanna do it, I'm not gonna judge you either. I'm not gonna say, look at those Scrooges over there. Nah, you're doing this out of your devotion to Christ. I'm doing this out of my devotion to Christ, and it won't always look the same. Wow, there's a shocker. God didn't intend for us to be cookie-cutter Christians. We have, we're different people. We're in different cultures. We're in different times. We have different backgrounds. Of course it's going to look different, but love's going to wrap around it, and that's how people know, according to Jesus, that we follow him. So, you know, these, if I want to celebrate the festival of tents in the Old Testament, or if I want to celebrate a Passover, I'm, I can do that. That's fine but I should not look upon myself as having more power because I did it, or that I'm a more devout Christian because I did it. And if I do it, you shouldn't criticize me and think you're a better Christian because you didn't do it. Wow, oh, but he's not done, he's not done. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Well, this is rather blunt. Uh, I think you'd have to agree. He is, um, he's saying those mindless people that say, well, I got this vision and I got this, you know, the angels have talked to me and the angels have guided me here and the angels are helping me here, and I know things and I've seen things and you know something? I don't doubt that some people have seen things. I've seen things, but it wasn't because I was special. I just saw things. I don't feel the need to talk about them because here's a underline this bit, it doesn't make me better than any other human being, and it doesn't make me closer to Jesus because angel's job isn't to bring us closer to Jesus and give us information that makes us special. The Holy Spirit does that. When you got the Holy Spirit doing that, angels have a different job. They're not here to make you happy and feel secure. The Holy Spirit brings us to Christ. So, we mentioned yesterday the Kabbalah. Uh, it is built on these many, many different levels and tiers of angels. And so many Christian religions have added this in as well. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, for example, recognizes several archangels. When um, There's only one who's named an archangel in Scripture. That doesn't really bother the Roman Catholics though, and this is not a slur at all. It's, they deal with the Bible in a very different way. The, the Bible is only part of the religion. Tradition has as much power as scripture. And so this is why I don't you know, ram my Bible into a Catholic's face. I wouldn't do that anyway. Uh, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why would I treat them like that? Instead, that explains why they're able to accept some things that you may not be able to if you're not a Catholic, okay? So now it's no longer a mystery, and you can talk about whether you think that's valid or not, but there you are. Uh, again, 
I still run across people who are just enamored with angels, enamored with uh, gods, enamored with Eastern philosophy, Eastern medicine, Eastern whatever. I um, I know that they seem very, you know, they'll say, well, this has lasted for thousands of years. I know that doesn't make it right. Christ is our faith. We go to him. Um, and yeah, that seems very exclusionary, but he is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So we're following him here. Always a safe bet. Because since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, Again, because we follow Jesus, we look at money in a different way. We look at sex in a different way. We look at our time in a different way. We look at everything in a different way. So we have died to the basic principles of this world. Why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, that's important, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Oh my goodness, I gotta tell you. We lived, when we first came back to, to the States in the late 80s, we lived in Ohio for a time and uh, had a wonderful time there in Lancaster, Ohio. Uh, and our friends are still there, and we still uh, love them dearly. Uh, there were churches in the Ohio Valley who specialized in writing papers against, this is before websites, writing papers attacking other people in their own tribe that were too liberal, and too whatever. And they would just go after them. And one paper, uh, I, I will admit, I, I lost my temper that day. And I don't do that often. I mean, it may be once a decade, and it hasn't been for quite some time. But it was a paper that was written attacking anybody that would celebrate Easter. Now, we're well past Easter now as you're listening to this, so it's safe. And the whole thing was articles against why you know, Easter has a pagan beginning and the word means this and you know, bunnies and eggs are fertility symbols and on and on. And then it said, remember what the Bible says, and it quoted here, don't, you know, touch not, taste not, handle not. They use the King James. I actually slammed my fist on a table. I was alone in the room and threw the paper. And it took me a while to get my breathing and my, my attitude under control. And it needed to be, you know, I did not have the right to become furious and stomping around judging others. But they had taken the very things Paul says don't, don't work and are human and won't help you and acted as if that's what Paul was saying to us about this. I've seen the same since then in, in little brochures and uh, in sermons to teens about the sins of dancing the Bible says, touch not, taste not, handle not. Technically, it does. But it says that those rules are human origin and have zero use in helping us be spiritual. 
Shall we read that again to make sure you get it? Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belonged, do you still submit to them? He uses his examples here. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. As examples, back, in, back before the internet, people would often uh, decide that it was better for them and their family not to have a television in their house. And you never had to wonder who these people were because they worked it into every single conversation. Later in my life, I ran across vegans that did the same. Nothing wrong with being a vegan, by the way, at all. I was a vegetarian for quite some time, but it was a spiritual discipline to help me be, uh, move away from always being angry. I wanted to remind myself I'm not a predator. And I'm not a vegetarian now because my wife says I'd learned the lesson and I'm a nice guy and she doesn't want to make two meals. So, you know, Miss Cammy is wise and beautiful and wonderful and I want to take, I want to do what she needs me to do. So I'm fine. And if you're a vegan, that's fine. But if you ever noticed, it, it gets slipped into there constantly. And I think it's because we do look for ways to be shown as a little bit better than others. And it might be running, it might be, um, it, it might be exercise, it might be wisdom. I, I, I know people that drop, drop their degrees into every single discussion. And uh, okay, you know, it's a legitimate accomplishment. Good, wonderful. Um, but um, I've got quite a few of them and I can't fix a toilet. So let's not act like that makes us superior human beings. Uh, in fact, there's something else about this I'd like to go over. I really wanted to go a little bit further today, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with this bit, all right? Why do we always say, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Old King James, touch not, taste not, handle not. Like a weird version of the three monkeys that see, hear, and speak no evil. He says, we don't do them because they don't work. I went to camp, Christian camp, when I was a boy. And they, had, they read the rules. The shorts were not allowed to come up above, I think it was the top of the knee. It might have been the middle of the knee. Um, I'd never owned a pair of shorts until I was 30 years old because we, we were in a pretty strict church. I remember how I felt terrified going outside in shorts. And these weren't the tight, you know, 1960s, 70s basketball shorts. These were the baggy ones down to the knee. And I still felt like I, oh, Lady Godiva here. Well, there's, part of the rules were you cannot be closer, boys and girls cannot be closer than four inches. And so immediately, kids went out, grabbed a stick, measured four inches, and the guy would hold one end, the girl would hold the other. You know, rules like this don't help. They don't work. They perish with using. The more you use them, the less they work. So we get red-faced and yell. How's that going? We get outraged when there is sin. Really? What about your sin? What about mine? You outraged at that? You know, I'm sad, but it's understandable. 
Well, then give, that op give those options to the person you're looking at then, even if their sins are different than yours, which they probably are because we're unique and we're really good at unique sins. But people will say, well, you know, I, you know I, don't, I don't have this. I don't do that. I don't do this. And they do it in a false humility, making it look like they're super spiritual, but it isn't. There's nothing about not having a television, for example, that would make me more holy. Now, if I have a real problem not reading and working and caring about things when the television's in the house, okay, fair, fair. You might have to remove that. But the mere act of your entertainment options being swapped around does not make you a better person. A better person, you get that way by being more like Jesus. And that's gonna look different where you are in your culture with your people around you and with what you've got, then it'll look with mine. We just keep following Jesus, not judging each other, and not trying to do a Christ and to get our way through here. Because there is no God out there other than God. And Christ is the Son of God. That's enough. That'll keep you busy. Colossians 3 next week. Have a wonderful week.